Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. Please uh, subscribe to the show on your favorite uh, podcasting outlet. And uh, if you enjoy the video format, we sure would appreciate you to uh, like and share and subscribe on the Thundercast YouTube channel as well. Russell, it was a highly positive week in some areas and another negative in others. And yep. For whatever reason, we just can't get a full positive week. It's been a while, <laughs> and it kind of sucks. But uh, we've got a lot to cover. We've got uh, a great five things, and and you know some 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 really really great things we've got to talk about. So we need to get going. We need to get into this. Let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carrec.com. If you've been injured in a car wreck, visit 304carrec.com on the web. Or on Facebook. What happens when an Ohio driver crashes into a West Virginia driver in Kentucky? That can be a mess. But if you can dream it up, Jason and Matt have probably been there, done that, and gotten their clients paid. Don't fight the insurance companies alone. Contact Jason and Matt at 304carwreck.com. Where to begin? I understand it's the five things that every herd fan needs to know this week, but let's talk about what that encapsulates. So, Let's get it rolling. Give me five things every herd fan needs to know this week. Five things every herd fan needs to know this week, as always, brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. A little bit of break from the format this week, KD. Uh, all of these things are about men's soccer, so I won't have them numbered or anything, but there's five plus things to talk about in here. But we're going to kick off and uh, say shortly after we recorded last week uh, for our five things, Marshall swept the Sunbelt Conference Men's Soccer Player of the Week awards. Mm -hmm. Alexander Sterngard won Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, he had a goal, his first, with Marshall. And then he also had an assist in that uh, game against, uh, I think it was South Carolina when this was coming out. And then Gabriel Parada when. Um, one defensive player of the week, shockingly for the first time this year, considering he um, had a league lead or a conference leading eight and a half clean sheets shutouts this year, uh, but finally got recognized and we swept the awards. Yeah, Talk that about was, that before we go on. Yeah, I mean that was really cool. We what would what I should have done is is gone back and noted how many times that a Marshall player won offensive player of the week and defensive player of the week, because we know for a long stretch of the season, it was like rinse and repeat for offensive player of the week honors. Four out of the first five. Yeah. So th there was a lot. I mean, and it's not really surprising because, Hey, this team, despite a few late season losses, you know, notably to West Virginia and then Kentucky, they're the best team in the league. So it's not surprising that they continually put, of the week honors out there. And it was a great way to close out the season. We had talked about they needed to bounce back and they needed a little bit of help to secure a Sun Belt Conference championship. They were able to do that. But individually, 
just as a as a herd team and then individual players, some of those guys really took some ownership and were like, you know what? We are not the, who we've been the last week or so. And uh, we're out to to prove that we are still the team to beat in the conference. And and there was nothing like a couple of of the week honors to close out the regular season before mm-hmm. like postseason awards came out, just to kind of drive that back home. It's like, yeah, we slipped for about a week, but you know that wasn't enough to to derail truly who we are as a team. And speaking of those postseason uh, awards, here's the rest of them. They had a huge showing. In those awards, Sunbelt regular season player of the year, Matthew Bell, offensive player of the year, Matthew Bell, defensive player of the year, uh, Morris Dugan and Gabriel Perota was named, uh, right? That's right. Keeper of the, of the year. Goal I wrote down, mm-hmm. yeah, I wrote down defensive player of the year, which is what Dugan got. I just yeah. wrote, wrote it down twice. Uh, but, all three of them obviously named to the first team, mm-hmm. uh, which you would expect the players of the year are going to be on your first team, right? But um, we uh, we see Morris Dugan there, defensive player of the year. Sometimes these things go under the radar, not the player of the year, of course, but I mean their contributions in the game because they don't get a goal mm-hmm. and things like that. But our defense is what makes us so great. You know, yes, we have guys that can light up the the net, but every single game when you're having clean sheets, it's not just Perota down there. It's keeping people from getting in a good shot, even getting onto that end of the field, forcing turnovers, intercepting the the ball and taking it down and, and getting back on the offensive. And Dugan is a huge part of that. Reminds me uh, a couple of years ago, Colin Masayunas. Uh He was so great defensively. Uh, we had him go out with an injury and we fell off for a couple of weeks, you know, toward the end of the season. So uh, great to see guys like that get recognized. Perota, only one defensive player of the week getting recognized. Uh, uh, yeah. Defensive player of the week getting recognized as the, the keeper of the, of the year. Great. Yeah, and not for, don't forget like, some of these guys that were big contributors for their, they transferred in this year. Yeah. So, yeah. It, you know, they're making the most of their one year with the herd and the herd plays such complimentary soccer, right? Because you, you widely known as this team that can just put on an offensive barrage, you know, and they can, and they can make a match get out of hand on an opponent really quickly, you know, two, three, four goals, bam, bam, bam. But it, it is the defense that, continually gives the ball back to this so lethal herd offense that goes unnoticed just because of the nature of, you know, the scoring being at a premium in the game of soccer. But you're right, man. I mean, we control the ball so much and keep uh, our opponents out of our end of the field so often that the play of a keeper like Perota just gets amplified because he doesn't, I'm not going to say he has a job. He has an easy job, but man, you can't tell me that a smothering defense doesn't isn't a huge luxury for a goalkeeper to know he doesn't have to stop. I don't. Let's say 15 or 20 shots on goal. Right? He's yeah. might have. He only might have like six or eight. You know, to deal with. And when you've got a guy that's that good anyway in Perota, limiting the number of attempts that he has to face, it just it just tells you that that this herd team is built for the long haul. They're they're a championship team. They're built to win 
a championship. And we saw that already with the regular season championship. I know we're going to talk about it in a little bit. We're, we're already seeing that a little bit in the SBC tournament. And even if they happen to fall short, there's no way they're not going to enter into the NCAA tournament, right? So the, everything is still on the table. Uh, big, biggest, The biggest of big goals is still on the table for this herd team. And, man, they're just so damn fun to watch. They really are. Yeah. And to finish this out, uh, we mentioned the first team and everything, but we also got uh, Okiyoshi made the second team. Uh, so I kind of expected we might have seen somebody else on there, uh, Simone, Silva, um, uh, blinking on the game, uh, Garcia Pasquale. Uh, he's been injured a lot, uh, but you know a lot of those guys did some major, major damage on the year. But I think four players on the on the first team and second team is very respectable. Uh, but I, I kind of figured we'd see some more as dominant as we were. Yeah, you have to think that injuries. If if a guy misses time, that's gonna. If things are so close when you're doing these. Um, you know, these all-conference teams, you have to think that if a guy misses some time, that's going to be – that's going to weigh against him, right? He might be very deserving, but if somebody's putting up just as much production or uh, doing just as well, and, yeah, you can say, well, our guy did it in fewer games because he was injured. I get that, but it, it's just one of those kind of unfortunate situations from time to time that, you know, somebody's going to be left out. And, and if you're asking me the biggest snub out of this whole thing, is Chris Grassy not being coach of the year? Yeah, I mean he would. This is the number one team that the UCF head coach got the got the nod, but we beat them head to head. You know what I yeah. mean? So it was a that was a little, eh, I don't know. I did. I don't. I don't. I think he got robbed. I know he does. He probably doesn't care about that because it's nah. He's he's got a star over his M that says he That's doesn't right. really care. He's got a, he's got bigger goals in mind. You know, um, looking to be one of those you know, even more rarefied air coaches that gets a second star type thing. But uh, the herd league leading three team, three first team, all, all Sunbelt selections, right? Uh, second in the conference and overall Sunbelt selections. But, um, you know, sweeping the uh, major, major categories, offensive, defensive, and goalkeeper of the year and player of the year, I mean – can we get, can we please, please, can we get a number 10 soccer jersey on the shelves next year? Uh, it's great that they have the number 20 jersey to commemorate the 20, you know, the national title year. Matthew Bell deserves to have a jersey that you can buy. You know, he's just all-time great already and all-time great. And uh, I know there are plenty of herd fans that would like to be able to buy that number 10 jersey. I think they should be given the opportunity to do that. Uh, but anyway, great postseason showing in the awards categories for the herd. It is not surprising, but still equally as freaking awesome. Yeah. Well, that does it. You know, like I said, I didn't want to uh, put numbers on those uh, because it was an overall discussion about several awards, but more than five different announcements there. Plenty to cheer on, and we're going to talk about that soccer team here in a little bit. Yeah, a very soccer-centric five things. Very deserving. Uh, I, I am... 100% okay, and every Herd fan in the land should be okay with the five things this week being completely centered around Herd men's soccer. It was, It is unquestionable that right now they are the premier program in the Herd athletic department. No slight against anybody else, but dang, they won a title a few years ago. They really haven't slowed down. 
and we wondered how would they respond after losing some all-time greats last year. And what did they do? They came out and set all-time records, you know, for wins and and being number one. And now they capture the Sun Belt regular season championship. Uh, you know, Player of the Year honors a trio of them and two counting bells being player of the year and offensive player of the year. So really four overall, you, you, there is no argument. There is no argument right now that the men's soccer team is not Marshall's premier athletic program. They are so deserving of all the shine that we give them. And even more, my question to you is, do you want to go around the herd or do you want to move into a recap? Let's do the recap first and then go around the herd. Fair enough. All right. The herd goes down to Boone, North Carolina in a game that was a battle of four and four teams. We build it as kind of like the winner of this game has the leg up on bowl eligibility. I still feel that way right Mm -hmm. now because that was a big boost. That was a big, you know, getting that fifth win with still three to play is a big boost to your chances. So uh, we go down to Boone. You make the trip to Boone. We'll talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. As we get into this uh, recap, but 31 to nine, App State gets the win, dropping the herd to four and five, one and four in the Sunbelt Conference. Absolute last place in the Sunbelt East Division. Not okay. It's it's yeah. not okay. Coming off of a nine win season, a team, uh, a, a season where we were really one game away from going to the Sunbelt title game. If we beat Coastal, we go to that Sunbelt title game. And now to find yourself at four and five and dead last in the East, it is, it is unacceptable, right? It just is. It's unacceptable. Uh, and, and to make matters worse, you start out four and oh, and then you drop five straight and it has people asking certain questions that I'm going to talk about in a little bit but it was just tough this was tough to watch and, and I'm, honestly I know you were there mm-hmm. so you have a different perspective but me watching on TV this was like a it was very very frustrating it was very frustrating because one team was moving the ball up and down the field and uh, not with not with relative ease it's just like their plays were just working. Their offense was was working, right? And their yeah. defense was working. And ours was struggling. Our offense was struggling mightily, man. And even when we would have a, a nice big gainer, it would be called back on a penalty. Yeah. Or it would mm-hmm. be, you know, something would happen that it would that, you know, you got a nice drive going and interception in the end zone. And it's like, man, mm-hmm. it, it's like continually. And this is just I don't care what you chalk it up to. Some people are going to chalk it up to the quarterback. Some people are going to chalk it up to the offensive line. Some people are going to chalk it up to, you know, receivers that can't get separation. Some people are going to chalk it up to whatever they want to chalk it up to. But really, it's a kind of a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, we are equally letting each other down across the board on offense. And there's just no way that you can say it's not happening because you're seeing it, right? But let me talk about these indicators. Then I want to get your uh, quick uh, or your uh, synopsis on making the trip. Uh, total yards, time of possession, first downs, third downs, penalties, and turnover margin all swept by Appalachian State. Total yards, 379 to just 257 for the herd. A time of possession, 3528 for App, 2432 for the herd. First downs, geez, 24 for the Mountaineers, just 13 for the herd. Third downs, neither team again was good. Four of 11 for Marshall, five of 12 
time of pos- or I'm sorry, penalties, just uh, seven for 61 yards for Marshall's not overly bad. It's just like when they freaking happened, man. And then I, let me stop you real quick on that. I would have guessed, and I, I I had actually decent cell service down there, so I had kind of the stats up refreshing them. Mm-hmm. We had about half of what it seemed we had of penalties. Uh, I looked down at one time we had three, and I would have I would have bet my paycheck that we had eight. I mean, right. it just seemed that we had more. I didn't mean to interrupt. Just want no, to that's okay. That. No, that's a, that's actually an excellent point because it 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 was a weird thing because I kind of felt the same the same way in real time. It felt like God another one, but when it wasn't a. Uh, Another one, it was just when they happened. It was finally, mm-hmm. you would get something that go right, and you'd be like, yes, nice long run by Ali, called back, you know. But anyway, seven for 61 for the herd, just four penalties for 52 yards against App State, and then the turnovers again was the killer. Three turnovers for the herd, all interceptions, and no turnovers by App State. Russ, before I get into our individual players, um, you made the trip, uh, and um, First off, I want to know what the reception was like uh, in Boone. You know, they have a little bit of a reputation of being very hospitable, but but also can be um, aggressive. Let's call it aggressive. So what was the trip like for you outside of the game itself? Well, so uh, I love the town. You know, I'm a foodie, and and that was kind of like a little foodie paradise down there. Uh, it reminded you a lot of Fayetteville. Uh, if Fayetteville had a college that brought in businesses that, uh, you know, had now had, you're talking about Fayetteville, West Virginia. Not, there yeah. is. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never talk about Fayetteville, Arkansas, because Arkansas is not a state to me. Uh, that's a totally different podcast that I'll one day do, but. Um, no, it, it did. It reminded you of, you know, going down to like secret sandwich society and places like that. And, uh, so I, I like Boone. It was a nice little town, a lot of, a lot of little towns around it too. It was real cool. Got to see a bunch of people that I haven't seen in a while, people that, you know, and, um, you know, we talk about all three levels of football. I hit all three levels of opposing fans. I had the ones that were indifferent that just saw our gear and was like, Oh, well, walked right past us. I saw people that said, oh, hey, welcome to Boone. Are you tailgating today? You know, you know, how can we help? You know, things like that. Uh, do you need any advice on on things? And then I, you know, got told things that, you know, you don't want your mom to hear. So uh, it, it was uh, not as bad as I thought. And yeah. usually it was the younger, drunker crowd, you know, doing the bad stuff. But I was shocked about more than anything, the indifferent, you know, I expect someone to either say, oh, hey, you know, here for the game, Marshall, you know, I've I've been I went to Marshall uh, last year, you know, and we did this, whatever. There was more indifference than just about anything. But what you remember is, you know, people getting up in your face and yelling things about your mom. So, Mm. I don't know that I would be cool with that, but anyway, yeah. um, I tell you what though, what I take away from that is, and of course, every guy we haven't talked, Russ and I haven't, we never talk about his trips to the game until we hit record. But anyway, the indifference to me is 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 wild. But what it also tells me is what we preach all the time: they go to watch app. They don't care who yeah. they're playing. They right. they might not care that you're there, uh, or one way or the other, but they still go. You know, they're still sitting in and they're, che- they're cheering for the Mountaineers. They don't give a 
rip who the hell they're playing. Right? Now I have to say this was to me, and you know, I've got a facial damage here and was walking with a very bad limp and everything. And some people might've just said, rather not talk to that dude, you know, so, uh, you know, it, everybody else that went, maybe they got chatted up more than we did. I mean, yeah. we got chatted up uh, a lot, but, uh, mainly people going, dear God, what happened to you? You, you should know, see but, the other guy, right? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but no, it was, uh, it, it was shocking to me, the indifference. I expected more like good natured ribbing, not hate, yeah. but you know, yeah, yeah, good natured yeah. ribbing and more than anything, people were just like, Oh, well, don't engage. And, yeah. you know, I'm not that guy. I engage everybody. You know, I, I, day after I talked to a couple of people and stuff like that. So yeah. overall positive trip, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I got to, I got to spend the weekend with my wife and we got to go to a place that, you know, we hadn't been before. So cool. Yeah. yeah. So what was the, um, I've never been to a game at app. So what was your feeling on, you know, being inside the stadium and the atmosphere there? had no clue how uh new it looked but also simultaneously how cheaply it was uh constructed and i i don't want any app fans coming at me you know and and yelling at me i i'm not trying to you know be salty or anything i didn't know that every bleacher uh, that the entire thing was just aluminum there was no concrete or anything. It looked like I'm sure it had concrete supports or steel beam supports underneath, mm -hmm. but uh, it was just everything about it was aluminum. There were no concrete steps. Everything was aluminum. Um, uh, it was, uh, there were no bathrooms on the uh, concourse. They just had like eight porta potties on the end that I wow. was in. I, I don't know if there were any on the other end. Uh, I don't know if that means they had taken those bathrooms out. Maybe there were bathrooms somewhere that I didn't see, but everything I saw, including around the stadium, you know, the hill that where all the students pack in mm -hmm. up on that road behind there were porta potties there. It was just porta potties everywhere. Wow. That's uh, kind of and, surprising. Yeah. There were only like, uh, maybe two side by side, uh, concession stands lines that you could get in for food right in the middle of the stadium side that we were on. And then they had like, um, across from that, just a makeshift table with uh, skirts around it and things like that, uh, for beer, you know, they had hmm. beer tub there and beer coolers and such, but, uh, it, it was just surprising to me. And that's what I'm saying when I say cheap, you know, we get on our bathrooms on our concourse and how small the concourse is and rightfully so, right. Yeah. You know, it's outdated and things and everyone knows it from the administration down, but we have bathrooms that you can actually go in instead of getting in a porta potty. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that was just shocking to me, you know, for yeah. how new everything looked yet. It was just like almost a rector set aluminum bleachers, uh, I mean, they were firmly made and, and everything. Don't get it's me wrong. It's just not the aesthetic you were expecting to see. No, right? I just expected. Uh, you I, know. I can understand. I think I understand what you're saying. You expected it with the 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 um, the vibe around Boone. You would mm -hmm. expect to see you know brick and stone and yes, just that yes. sort of that sort of mountain town lodgy yeah. type I, aesthetic. I, I, I talked to several fans and they were pointing out like, okay, this was new uh, when I from since I've been here. You know when they went to school and and you know because we were we tailgated with a couple of uh, people from Boone and they were telling us as we went in what was new and it just hit me like, well, all this stuff is new 
and these bleachers look brand new, hmm. but they just put up aluminum bleachers. And I don't know. It, it seems like they are ripe with their attendance to do a major overhaul, even though it's got newer uh, upgrades that they really need to do something about their concourse, bathroom, concessions, just yeah. everything. Over yeah, it it's probably sounds like some amenities needed added, yeah. you know, but, it, it, you know, you you fight that that battle of, well, we know we can pack out 30,000. We're not going to add 10,000 seats. We we know firsthand you you made that. We made that mistake, right? Yeah. We didn't need to do that. And as long as people are showing up and not griping about that, what motivation does do they have to spend the money on that? You know what I mean? So I will say their, uh, their aluminum bleachers had this, uh, like backrest thing rail on it mm -hmm. that seemed to like give a little bit and tilt. And that was really, really welcome. You know, we didn't take in stadium chairs or anything. So you're yeah. sitting on aluminum. I will tell you, I just happened to have the worst seats in the house by luck. Uh, it's hard for me to describe, but you go up this chain link on both sides uh set of stairs and then you're at a little um stopping point before you would go on up because you can go to the left or the right, right. or you can go back down on the sides of those chain links to to seats that are slightly lower all game long we were seemingly the only aisle section where people were up and down the entire time and i mean you were constantly have to lean left right just to try to watch a play unfold mm -hmm inevitably as soon as the snap was getting ready to happen someone would get to the top of the steps and just stare off going now where was i sitting for like 15 <laughs> seconds so we ended up second half we didn't go back to those seats we went uh over a section and and stuff like that but man that part was annoying too yeah but overall i'm assuming it was a positive trip despite the loss i mean anytime you can go see the herd on the road and check out yeah. a new town and yeah and get a vibe for that town that's usually a lot of fun. The the road trips for me are 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 separate from yeah, the yeah. victory on the field, you know, because I want to win every single one and it sucks losing. But <laughs> yeah. getting to go getting to go to the the different things, just like last week, you know, I got to spend time with my roommate Luke. This time I got to spend time with some friends I hadn't seen in a while and my wife. So yeah. Well, let's talk about what our guys did. How about let's that? Uh, Cam Fancher. Only quarterback to play for the herd, which is surprising to me. I thought we might at least see a package of plays or something to keep uh, Cole Pennington like in game speed action, but we didn't see that. Uh, Cam looked markably more looked markedly more mobile this week, um, but through the air, fourteen of twenty-five, just one hundred and forty-four yards, one touchdown three interceptions, 10 carries on the day for 35 yards. He was sacked three times. Rasheen Ali led the way for the herd on the ground, 13 carries, just 13 carries again. Um, 79 yards leads the way for the herd. 6.1 yards per carry. He had a long of 43, and then he had another big run, at least one that I can remember called back. Mm -hmm. So he could have easily had a well over 100-yard day, but he mm -hmm. did not. Um, Jaden Harrison had just one catch on the day for 35 yards. That 35 yards leads the day for the herd. Caleb McMillan led the team in receptions with three for 28 yards. And the bright spot on offense, young tight end Sean Salas. He had in this game his first career reception for the herd and then followed that up later with his first career 
touchdown, the only touchdown of the day for the herd. He goes two receptions for 19 yards with that one touchdown. It was great to see him get on the field and show that he can make plays in the receiving game. We'd been wanting to see him for a while. He was dinged up last year. And it's nice to see him get an opportunity and then to make the most of those opportunities. He had one drop on the day later in the game, but I'll tell you what, I'll trade a drop for a touchdown any day of the week because touchdowns just aren't coming for the herd right now and drops are always there. So great game for Sean Salas. I'm really happy for him, really happy for his family. We've been able to become fairly close to the Salases uh, over the past couple of years and and I'm really happy for them, man. It, they they make the trip to Huntington from Texas, I believe it is, for the home games and near Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah, and uh, yeah. last first couple games I went to, I ran into them both times, and it's it's I just I'm really happy for them. Sean's an easy kid to cheer for, and uh, they're a good family. So I'm glad he, he he was a bright spot in the offense. So bullet points for me. We finally scored an offensive touchdown the first time in 11 quarters. We went for two. That was a failed conversion. Then it was the third straight game under 10 points for the herd. And I saw a stat. I, I'm not going to swear that this is accurate, but I'm feeling like it, it's, it probably is. This is the first time ever in the FBS era since 1997 that Marshall has scored under 10 points in three straight games. I mean, that is not where you want to be, right? Because we've had some bad games. We've had stretches of bad games. We've had bad seasons. But to see stuff like this is, is whew, that I wouldn't have guessed that, but it happens. And mm -hmm. then uh, penalties again took away too many big plays for the herd. Turnovers absolutely killed the herd yet again. It just wasn't good. So um, let me get a thought. Would you want to save your stuff for grades, or do you want to have a, a, any comments after I do these stats? Well, uh, I'll have a couple of comments, and okay. I've also got my keys written down if you want well, to read through those. Later, but i got to do defense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll just say on offense, I don't have it up here. I'm going from memory, so if I'm off on this, I'm sorry. But I believe we had 59 yards of offense in the first half. That is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. We We know – Several games this year, we've gone into the half three points, scoreless, you know, things like that. It, it's been a problem all year. But we and some of those at least were moving the ball down the field. And in this, like you said earlier, we would move the ball down the field. It would either be negated immediately with a uh, callback so it didn't even happen, or we would turn it over, or we would just go three and out after – or not three and out, but three consecutive, you know, uh, plays that didn't get a first down. So he had to punt right after a big game. So yeah. it was just 59 yards of offense in the first half. And that's anemic. And, you know, obviously, obviously no one coaching staff, players, fans, no one wants that. It's uh, it's a problem. And I feel like if we knew what the answer was, it would be taken care of. And I don't think that it's any one thing you said earlier that some people want to pin it only on the quarterback. Some people want to pin it only on the offensive line. Some people want to pin it only on the wide receivers and so on. And I feel like it's just, it's got to be everybody when you're looking at 59 yards and not able to score a touchdown in 11 quarters is what it amounted to. It's just a little bit of everything. Yeah. It, I don't care what it is actually sure. i don't, I don't really, i don't care i don't i don't care it it's you, you 
you can't go game after game without being able to score and move the ball. Right. Every, everybody's hurt, man. Everybody. The people we're playing against are also hurt. You know what I mean? It's it's when does it when does it uh end? You know, like when does I don't I don't know what to say. It is like when does it <laughs> when does it stop? Because well, you have it, to, you have to do something. At some point you have to get up off the mat and and be able to move the ball. It's it's clear to me that Rashin Ali is not at a hundred percent. Otherwise, he would have more carries and touches. And he does show good burst, you know. But it also showed me, you know, he tends to break away on those long runs, and yeah. he got chased down. Yeah, and and he ended up running out of bounds instead of taking that extra one yard. He probably. I don't know that he would have gotten another yard, two yards. He, I definitely don't think in his position that he could have busted through the would-be tackle and, and gone on into the end zone. No, the, if the zip were there, that tackle wouldn't have not even come into the equation. They wouldn't. Yeah, it, he seems like he's a step down. He seems like cutting is not where he normally is at the elite level. Uh, it shows that he's mm-hmm. hurt, and that shows how important he is to our offense because these last few games he's either been out or limited to, I don't want to say half the carries, but it seems like that's a good enough, you know, give or take percentage where he would be. Um, And it just shows that when he's down, everything around him is just not working because if they, if they don't have to contain Ali and I mean, he rushed for 6.1 yards per carry and broke one for 43, but if they don't have to do that and they can key on the other people, it's just, it's apparent, you know, we, we just don't have anything right now, much more than if Ali is healthy, things work so much better. Of course they do, but you're right. 12 carries last week, 13 carries this week. That's not Rasheen Ali average numbers. Usually, even if it's not 20, it's like 18. Yeah, you know, so two thirds of the carries that you would normally get, and I, you're right, it, it the zip is just you know not quite fully there. And I said that on the long run, I thought, man, you can tell he's he would have ran away from everybody that yeah. time, you know, this last in, during that run. But having another long one called back is you know he because even at seventy five percent or eighty five percent or whatever he is would have put him well over a hundred yards, you know, and and probably changed at least the trajectory of that drive, obviously, because you're now somewhere around midfield when you were backed up deep. I think that actually occurred on that. After a kickoff, we had a penalty that was a half the distance, and I think he busted that long run that got called back after that. So if if anything, if you don't move another yard, you flip the field. And, you know, so let's talk about uh, the defense before we move along and get into some grades and stuff. J.J. Roberts back on the field, utterly amazing. And what does he do? He comes out and has a 15-tackle performance. Nine solo and one tackle for loss to lead the way for the herd. It just proves how big of a weapon he is for this herd defense. Jaleel Riviera Harvey, seven tackles, three of those solo. Tackle his legs, A.G. McGee again. Both those guys notched six total on the day. Legs, four solo, one tackle for loss, and a sack. Uh, McGee with two of his solo and adds a pass defended. Hurd had just three sacks on the day, so three for App, three for the Hurd. Um, Tyquez legs, Eli Neal, Jason Went both had, or all three had one. Five tackles for loss, four passes defended, absolutely zero turnovers created. And if you're not going to do that, then 
you're fighting uphill against an offense that looked pretty good. App looked pretty efficient. You know, it seemed like they were just able to move the ball when they needed to and sometimes mm-hmm. when they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, too much time, man. The hit, this herd defense is just spending too much time on the field, and that is absolutely because of the offensive woes and not being able to move the football. Um, nearly plus nine time of possession for App State. Just can't have it. I mean, if your defense is, has been struggling all season anyway to prevent big plays, I think they did a better job of preventing that big, long play. They gave up some big pass plays that went for touchdown. Yes, but they did a great job in run defense against this App State team. They really did, man. Aguilar led the way for App State, and he only had 44 yards. So they shut down several talented running backs. They did a great job in run defense. The problem was they gave up too many big plays in the pass game, and a lot of those were touchdown passes. You said and, nearly plus nine. I've got that it's nearly 11. And, oh, maybe uh, it is. Maybe it, yeah, no it's. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's plus, almost yeah. plus 11. My bad. Yeah, and I mean, that is astronomical for your defense to be on the field. I mean, that's, uh, that's over two-thirds of a quarter. Yeah, better part of a quarter. Yeah. So it, it's just we're not playing complimentary ball. We're not. Mm-hmm. Huff said it in the postgame. We're not playing – the offense is not consistent enough and it's i mean we say that every week yeah so i i don't know where do you what do you do you know you can't just say we're not consistent enough every week well where do you find consistency i i don't know right i don't know but it i know we are probably um phrasing things as as nicely as we can because there are plenty of fans that are also just as frustrated with what they're not seeing out of this herd team that are just willing to say whatever the hell they want to whoever they want and to me it's it's just frustrating to watch you know mm-hmm. because it, you know these guys are they want to like, win man they, well yeah but it ain't about wanting to win it's just like you we've seen these guys abs- actually execute that's what I'm saying. Yeah. We we've seen yeah. them do it. And now we can't. And we we saw them execute. Like you can't tell me this is the same team that played NC State and went up there and put up 40 plus points, you know? But it is. It's the same guys by and large. And now all of a sudden we can't get more than 2 or 3 yards on a on a on a on a handoff. I mean, the first play from scrimmage was a screen play that went for negative 4 yards. Come on. Come on, man. Like Whatever. Allowed, but defensively, we allowed too many chunk plays in the past game. I said that. Easy touchdowns. And we lost too many of those one-on-one matchups. That that led to scoring points for App State. Uh, special teams-wise, Reese Verhoff, one-on-one on field goals. He didn't have a shot at an extra point. We went for two after our touchdown. It was a failed conversion. And then John McConnell, five punts, 204 yards, a 40.8-yard average. He had a pretty good day. I think he only had one kind of get off the side of the foot and wasn't really great. So. Decent day for special teams. Um, they really didn't give Harrison a chance to make any real noise. I think he had a couple of kickoffs. Maybe the long was eighteen, but you know, it was just it was just another mostly bad performance defensively. And if you got to pick out a bright spot, it is um, the run defense was much better. They did not allow that seventy yard, you know, fifty yard thing play for touchdown what, this week. What broke us was. Um a couple times field position for them to to get because of a turnover. But what broke us was the middle of the field seemed to be open on the crossing routes. Mm-hmm. And that was just not there last year. Yeah. 
Uh, not they, much of anything was there last year as our defense, uh, as you know, but um, it was open all game long on crossing route, crossing routes, and they exploited it as they should have. Yeah, absolutely they did. you got to give credit to Aguilar for making the right reads or mm-hmm. noticing a safety covering the wrong guy and let, yep. you know, left a wide receiver wide open in the middle of the field. And, and other times there was, you know, decent coverage and the guy just made a play. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. We lost a one-on-one yep. matchup. So let's revisit these keys. What was your number one key this this past week? Number one was ball control, and we did not do that. We had uh, three interceptions and uh, big red X for me. Yeah, I'm going to give my guys – or I'm going to give them a half for my number one key to victory because I said they had to surpass the energy of App State. I felt like they were engaged in the game for mm-hmm. a good bit of it. I really do. I, even when App went up and – you know, it was 21 to three or whatever. I still didn't feel like that they uh, kind of packed it in. But in the second half, once the not being able to consistently move, move the football just kept being around, the energy level just went down, you know, and, and the app was able to you know, kind of squirrel the game away. You know, they didn't do anything that was, um, you know, of, of any consequence. They scored again, but, you know, I thought, this could be this could be way worse. I thought it could be way worse, but our guys didn't pack it in, so they kept the energy up, and it, they looked like they were engaged much more than the Coastal game, and especially in the first half, but half for me. What was number two for you? Score early, red X for me. We had three points at halftime. We did get on the board uh, before they did. We kicked the field goal, but that wasn't what I was talking about. I said yeah. this offense, if you remember, this offense has to come out and put up a touchdown early to get the monkey off their back for anything more uh, or less just confidence and to show app, Hey, you know, this is not the coastal Marshall. This is the, this week's Marshall and Mm -hmm. we're here to score. Didn't happen. Red X. Yep. Uh, My number two was score any way possible. I told you, I didn't give a shit how they scored. I put points on the board and that's a no, right? Because we did get a touchdown. We did get a field goal. But the turnovers took away – you can say they took away points because if if you don't throw, you know, an interception down, you know, while you're driving, you probably might get three out of that, you know. Well, we, we also legitimately took points off the board with yeah. a touchdown that was called back because yeah. of, a, of a hold. And it right. was probably a hold that did not impact that whatsoever. Right. Yeah, so there, it was an absolute red X for me. And, um, you know, gifting, gifting a touchdown essentially to App State on, I, I, it may have been Cam's first interception. I don't know where he threw it. That thing, that ball should have been five rows up in the stands. Yeah. And yeah. the guy makes a diving interception on, on like in the red zone, you know, I'm yeah. like, what the hell is going on yeah. here? That, <laughs> but, that um, can't be, that can't even be bouncing in front of him. You're out of the pocket. There's mm-hmm. nothing to do there, but throw it right out of bounds. Yep. Um, so Big Red X, what was number three for you? Uh, Let's see. Quarterback needs silencing numbers. Red X. You know, I had said whichever or whatever combination of quarterback. Didn't Mm -hmm. matter if it was Cole, if it was Cam, if it was both of them, or if it was them plus other people. We needed to have silencing numbers to where someone came in and threw all over the place, put points on the board. It's red X QB yep. play just wasn't there this week. 
Yeah. Number three for me was do what works until it doesn't. Nothing worked. You know, outside of, uh, you know, one big long Ollie run that actually stood and a couple of downfield passes to Harrison's was nice. And, you know, the, the, the couple of plays to Salas were nice, but nothing Cam else. also had a, a 40, he had a long run. run. Yeah, yeah. He did have a long run, but it, it wasn't consistent, yeah. you know, and, and to hear the head coach echo that and saying, we're just not consistent enough. I mean, it, I'm not wrong. Right. Cause he's saying the same thing too. So nothing really worked consistently. The runs weren't working consistently. The the passing wasn't working consistently. I don't know what the hell the problem is, but it seems like if teams have relative success running a basic offense against us, and we can't run a basic offense and have any legitimate success, all that, and then when you compound it by only being able to go like twenty five percent or thirty percent on third down, like if you can't get Big gains, you have to be good on third down. And mm-hmm. and we're not. We're not. Haven't been all year. Uh, what was number four for you? Good receiver play. And to qualify that, I was talking about uh, having not just one, but everybody uh, having great play, but also having at least one person consistently breaking out, being wide open, um, getting that separation that we've said has been there that we needed so we could get some of these longer plays in. Um, I got a mixed bag on this for the first time. I don't have a green check or a red X. Uh, I saw good and I saw bad. We still had a couple of drops. We still had, uh, um, I'd like to have seen more separation, but we had several plays where a guy would get wide open and the ball just did not get there in time. Someone was able to close on it, get a hand on it, or at least disrupt it to where it wasn't a long pass. Uh, We had a couple others that were wide open that the ball was thrown just a little too short or low uh, is a better better term. And they caught it, but they had to catch it falling down to make the catch. And that prevented us from getting any yards after uh, completion. So um, not all of it was on the... QB, not all of it was on the wide receiver. Again, like we've talked about this episode, it's a little bit of everybody, but I can't really say for sure that we had that breakout wide receiver and tight end game and running back, you know, catching out of the backfield. But I also can't say that it was bad. So I'm kind of giving that one a toss up. Yeah. Uh, My last key to victory was to block out the noise. And that was coming from everywhere. Like herd fans, app fans, everywhere, the media, whatever. And I do think that they did that. I do, I do think because this game didn't get out of hand, right? It could have, it could have, if app would have, it feels like if app would have kept their foot on the pedal and truly wanted to like keep pushing the issue to score and score and score, they, it felt like they could have, if they wanted to, Marshall made several good stands, several good stands at a fourth mm-hmm. down stop, I believe. And, you know, they did some things to, stop the momentum and and quiet the crowd. So I feel like they did block out the noise really well. Uh, But it would just, it's, you have to have the other things. You can't just go in there and block everybody out and do your job, you know, or, and everything will work out. You still have to execute. You still have to put points on the freaking board. You still have to play consistently good defense. You still have to play really solid uh, special teams. And and we didn't do enough of that. We blocked the noise out. Great. But not, not enough of anything else to, really threaten to have this game. I mean, the score is indicative of that. The, the indicators are indicative of that. I mean, you can't tell me 31 to nine 
and you're t- and you're saying, no, we had a legit shot at this one, you know, right to the end. I mean, we didn't. So uh, let's move into some grades. What do you got for Cam this week? I've got a um, a D, and I'm keeping with my theme from from last week. When you're on a bad losing streak, nobody needs to go down after you've been beaten up and beat you up some more. So I'm not giving EFs out again this week because I saw everybody out on the field trying. I saw everybody on the sideline caring. Uh, that's coaches, players, everybody. Um, there were times that one time in particular, Cam got hit in his blind side, did not even see that coming. Nobody put a finger on that guy to even mm-hmm. slow him down. How how can you throw or take time? Go back and rewatch these. It's not all on him. He did have some bad passes. Uh, the interception that you mentioned was probably the worst one because that's just a decision. It's not the throw itself. It's that that throw shouldn't have even been there. You know, throw that ball away. Um, that's still in the first half. I mean, you know, you, that's not the end of the game. That's really the only time you would need to throw that is when you absolutely have to throw to that guy because it's fourth down and you have to do something to force trying to get a, a first down. Um, D, uh, I can't, I can't think of anything. I mean, he, he, uh, escaped a, uh, probably a would be sack danced around, ended up turning into a 43 yard flip the field run, uh, had a nice, uh, read to throw to Sean Salas for the touchdown, uh, really quickly. You know, you could tell on that play that that's who that was designed to go for, there was no boom, boom, dance around. It was just throw immediately to a wide open Salas. Great play call. Um, there just was not enough to bring it up from a D. And overall, 59 yards in the first half. And a lot of that was on the passing game, not being able to do anything. So yep. I got him for a D. I'm willing to submit and and admit that Stat line looks a lot better if a touch a second touchdown pass doesn't get called back. Mm-hmm. Okay, it does because now you're at least two touchdowns and three interceptions if everything holds. No, because no, you're right because it's a touchdown called back and then, and uh, then an, an interception. interception. Right, so, so it would have been two and two and much longer, much longer yards because yeah. it was at least a thirty yard. So touchdown. I'm willing to admit that, but it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And the negative plays do not outweigh the positive plays. Mm-hmm. Who does? I'll take a 43-yard quarterback scramble all the time, right? But the problem is you can't live and die on that. And uh, I don't fault him for blindside sacks. That's not on him. That's for somebody not getting a body on a on a you know a, a, a pass rushing defender. That's not on him. I mean, good for him for holding on to the damn football. That could have easily been a sack fumble, right? But the negative plays do not outweigh the positive plays in this one. And on if you even the average performance plays, um, there just weren't enough of them. There just weren't enough of good ball moving plays. It, it, you can't have 144 yards of passing week in and week out. We can't have zero touch or one touchdown, three interceptions. You can't have a backwards touchdown interception ratio all the time. You know, mm-hmm. at some point, he's a great kid. He's he's a great guy. Talk to him. He's a great kid. But at some point, it, it can't just be. Like, well, he's a good kid. Like, you have to produce. You have to produce, you know? Right. And I don't, I don't know what has happened because he was producing efficiently. We can talk about, you know, he's dinged up. He's not as mobile. I get it. 
so are some of those pass rushers. They're not as mobile either. You know, I, I understand, it, it, but these, these are two-way streets, you mm-hmm. know, and you have to be able to rise above, you know, like all kind of all kind of herd fans or not herd fans, but herd players, they play hurt to a certain degree. Right. Yeah. But if you're the you're a marquee player, you are the cog that makes the offense go. You touch the ball every snap by and large. You have to you're you have to be able to create more positive plays than negative plays or at, at least live to fight another day. Th- those decisions after 15, 16, 17 games as a starter, you can't be throwing it where it can be intercepted on the yeah. 15 yard line. Yeah. You can't do that, you know. So it's just it's he's he's strung together some really bad performances in a row, and I think mm-hmm. that's just magnifying what what's going on. It's one thing if you have a couple good games and you have a so-so game and a good game and a bad game and a really bad game, but it's it's just they're they're not being so-so. They've been pretty bad. Well, and to me, like I said earlier, I think it's clear that it's gotten worse when. Ali has been out or extremely limited as would it be for anybody. And uh, we also see how many times uh, since JMU, JMU coastal and, and uh, app here now three games in a row to where as soon as the ball is uh, hiked, someone is back there. Blitzes are, are, inevitable in in the games we're not saying that no one should ever blitz us you know or we should you know there's nothing you could do sometimes there isn't but a lot of times it's maybe the running back is not picking up that blitz or a tight end or a wide receiver or whatever or just an offensive lineman just getting a a a chip or a push on somebody something to slow one guy down because i don't know who you could put back there pick the greatest NFL quarterback there's ever been. And as soon as the ball hits his hands from shotgun, someone or two someones are already on him. There's just not a whole lot you can do. And um, I think it's unfair and unfortunate to pin it all on, on the quarterback, no matter who that quarterback is that goes in. We saw what happened when Cole went in and that's not a knock on Cole. It's a knock on whoever we put back there right now is going to have some problems yeah. and it's, it's a, it's a team wide offensive issue because of a myriad of different things. It's not on the offensive line. It's not on the running backs. It's not on the tight ends. It's not on the wide receivers and it's not on the quarterback. It's on the entire unit as a whole. Can I play quarterback better? No. Can I pass block or run block better than Trent or Logan or Ethan? No, I can't. Can I catch a football better than Jaden or Talik? No, I cannot. Can I run a football better than Rasheen or to- or um, Ethan? Or no, I cannot. Right. So, uh, I I have I have um, thoughts, and and I'm going to say what I see, but that doesn't come from a place of saying, "Well, I can do it better," because I absolutely can't. Right, and I understand that. But if you can't block effectively consistently you're right it doesn't matter who you put back there nobody's mm-hmm. going to have time to do anything but a blitz is not an end-all be-all play because right. every team does it and we do yeah. it against teams and they have sure. success against us so right. what what the hell you know that's what i'm saying it, it can't it can't just be we can't move the ball because other teams move the ball on us and, and we do the same things offensively and defensively that they do 
and 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 we're not doing anything. Now, the last thing I'm going to say about a quarter the quarterback is I am not calling for a quarterback change, right? Because you can still make it to a bowl game. Now, when things when those goals are off the table, if they when, if they become unattainable, then I think maybe you have to ask those questions. Do we at least start splitting time? Do you maybe you know, see if another quarterback can do something different from a beginning, from the beginning of a game, you know, instead of being, uh, you know, down two or three scores and puts some, I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying you do that. I'm just saying at that point, you can start asking the questions. But as long as you have a bowl game that is still on the table, this is not the time to do that. It's not the time to quote unquote scrap it, right? You know, because there's still a goal that you can attain. Now, people can, read into that how whatever they want but until your goals are off the table they're still on the table and that's just the way I feel about it so what do you got offensively for this herd well let me piggyback on what you said and then we'll go on okay. um during this skid we saw cam set a record here or break a record here 18 completions in a row and it mm-hmm. went under the radar you know and not all of them were 5 yards or behind the line of scrimmage like a lot of people think is the only thing that we do. There were throws in traffic. There were uh, crossing routes, slants across the middle. Um, it It's, again, unfair. And I'm not saying you're doing it. It's unfair to pin it on any one person right now. So where I'm at on should there be a quarterback change, I don't see what it would hurt at this point. But I also don't see it just magically fixing anything because – Everything needs to change so we don't get someone hurt back there, Cam included. You know, we right. we we don't want to put somebody in that is just going to come in and do the exact same and change for no reason. Um, I think Cole has an extremely bright future. We're going to support him if he's the, the guy. We're going to support Harrison if he's the guy. We're going to support Cam if he's the guy. Yeah. We don't want anybody to get hurt. And right now, Cam being able to get away from people is probably the best fit for us at this time just to be able to create something, you know. I've seen it the last couple of games for him at least getting away from what would have been more sacks than what we're putting up on the ledger. You know, we had three this game. It easily could have been eight. So... I don't know. I, I, I know. I'm, 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 I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine either way. I'm with you. You know, that's why I'm saying I'm not calling for anybody. I'm just saying um, until you don't even, to me, you don't even ask the question until the some of the goals that you have or the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal is winning the conference. That went off the table a couple weeks ago. And now the only goal you really have left is to make a bowl game. Right. So until your goals are exhausted and you really, truly are planning for next season, you're using some game time to play some young players, get them some game experience, you know, rest some guys that are truly maybe dinged up and, and trying to give it a go. You know, then you don't ask these questions. You, you just mm-hmm. don't throw it up in the air and say, well, let's see what happens for this last month or this last three weeks. So what do you got for this herd offense? Hurt offense, I've got a D minus. Uh, they, uh, more than anything on the yards, it's what we already talked about the penalties that negated 
the plays, that negated the first downs, that negated a touchdown. You're talking about taking a, a guaranteed six off the board, but potentially more. Um, just way too inconsistent, not able to move the chains, not able to put points up on the board, D minus. Yeah. I'll tell you what's scary to me is that we have um, gotten to a point in this season where we are cheering and happy that we scored a touchdown. That is frightening as hell to me, you know, because I know people are making jokes about it and, you know, first time in 11 quarters, whatever. But when we're like, all right, that streak's over, man, we are not at that level. That is not Marshall football, and it has not been for a very, very long time. So when you get to that point to where fans are like, great, that record's over, or that streak is over, man, something's up. Something's up, mm-hmm. right? And and I don't say that lightly. You know, I'm not one of these guys that's like the sky is falling, mm-hmm. but there are, there are comparisons being made for, from this team to some other teams in – in the past, you know, 15 years or so that you don't want to be in that comparison, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll hit some of those data points in a minute, but it's just bad offensively right now. So what do you got for defense? I got a D. They um, just left the left the field open to be picked apart. It seemed to mm-hmm. be over the middle of the field and uh, gave up some chunk plays. Uh, seemed like they uh, missed some tackles. Um uh, Again, uh, had uh, Aguilar dead to rights in the backfield would have been a loss. Would have really, really helped us, uh, you know, get a get a punt ten yards uh, after getting back after we let him get back to the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. like a sixteen to eighteen yard scramble for him to get ten yards, move the chains, just uh, things like that, man. It's uh, give him a D. I'm going to notch up just slightly. They're going to get a C for me because of how well they did bottling up this App State rushing attack overall. 150 yards is going to show up on on the stat total, right? But no one player tore them apart. You know, we didn't have we didn't give up a hundred yard rusher. I mean, 44 yards, 43 yards. You know, that was really Nate Noel's dangerous, and he played. You know, he'd been dinged up the past couple of weeks, and he played in this game. They did a really good job. Um, just in the run game, and that was nice. Pass the pass game, not necessarily a 180 degree, uh, 80 degree switch, but it was close, you know, because there were some, some bad coverages that, that led to really bad looking touchdowns. You're like, man, who was covering that guy? And then uh, during the broadcast one time, they showed a replay of that, and the announcers actually broke down and circled like, okay, well, this safety is supposed to cover this guy, and he followed that guy, leaving this receiver wide open. And and when you see it like that, like, and they were saying the thing like, ooh, in the film room, they ain't going to want to see that in the film room because it was – it was a – it was – you made the wrong decision. You went to the wrong coverage, covered the wrong guy, and left your guy wide open. So, on the back end, it was bad. J.J. Roberts being back on the field, I mean, that was awesome. Yeah. Having him back just two weeks after what we all thought was a horrific injury, and then to come out and lead the team with 15 tackles, baller. Kids baller. Special teams, what do you got? I got to be – they didn't do anything bad. There just yeah. wasn't anything really big and impactful. There wasn't a lot of attempts to do anything. You know, mm-hmm. McConnell 
had uh, the most to to do, and he did well enough, averaged over 40 on his punts, but there weren't a lot to do for returns. I did love to see us, which I'm going to talk about in coaching, love to see us try the uh, the uh, pass on the the backwards pass on the uh, kickoff return just to try mm-hmm. to do something. Ultimately, it did not work, but we mm-hmm. tried it. Yep, they they did try to do a little something, mm-hmm. which uh, was nice. You know, I'm, I'm glad it. I'm. It would have been great if it worked. I'm really glad it wasn't a disastrous play. Right. But uh, you know, just kind of it being a non-factor. I don't care. At least they mixed it up and they tried something. Mm-hmm. Um, special teams for me is just it's a B. You're right. You know, Verhoff made his field goal. McConnell punted pretty well. Only one that fell. You know, a little bit shorter than the rest. Nothing either way in the return game. Nothing big given up in kick coverage or punt return. It was just a solid day, so solid B performance. Coaches, what do you got for the coaching staff this week? D plus. And um, we saw some direct snaps to Ali with some fakes to Fancher, some direct snaps to Ali where he actually handed it to Fancher. That one got blown up, but it looked like to me it was going to be a uh, reverse to Chuck Montgomery. And it looked like that would have maybe taken it to the house because everyone was biting on that. Mm-hmm. They bit on it so hard, they stopped it before it got to progress. But uh, we have consistently come out in um, not the same package. You know, we had uh, double stacks on both sides, which we've done several times this year. Uh, we we were flat, though. We, it, it did not work. So, and that's offense, that's defense, that's everything, that's special teams. Like I said, trying that on special teams, great call. If it goes to the house, everyone's going to be talking about it, right? Mm -hmm. It just did not work. But it was not from lack of trying, so I'm not giving any kind of dings on, well, that was a bad play call, that was a bad formation, that was a bad whatever. It all just comes down to we didn't win. We didn't score 10 points. We gave up way too many over the field uh, or over the middle of the field. It's a D plus coaches take the brunt of it a lot and they're getting it in this grade. Well, they have to, because that's, that's leadership. You know, I say it over and over again, good leaders give the credit to everybody else and they take a hundred percent of, you know, the, the, the brunt of things. But the bottom line is it's five straight losses. That's it. This is the latest in a string of losses. And the last three have been considerably, you know, well, last two really have been considerably bad. James Madison was kind of upbeat in a loss because it was a mm-hmm. 20 to nine game. And, you know, for a of, really, really good yeah, team. A while really we had, good team. While we had Ali out. Right. Uh, you know, so. Cam visibly limited, you know, it was, that was good, but still it's five straight losses. I don't care. You know, that's the end-all, be-all, right? It doesn't matter how good you look in a loss. It doesn't matter how bad you look ultimately in a loss. A loss is a loss. And and five straight losses ain't setting right with nobody. I, yeah, I get it that it ain't setting right with them too. I'm not – they ain't up in their offices happy about it. Mm-hmm. But fans are going to be vocal about it. Yeah. You know, losing sucks. I mean, it freaking sucks. Now, I don't, I don't let it ruin my week. I don't let it affect right. my life anymore, but it sucks. On Saturdays, I you know I tune in. Folks show up and they want to see a hard fought win. That's what they want to see. Now, ultimately, sometimes you're going to lose games, and it sucks. But when you start a losing streak, 
you know, two, three, four. And when you get to five, people start going, all right, man, the season's kind of a wrap. You know, that that's what people do. But this is just not who we are as Marshall fans, more Marshall football, right? It, we don't lose five straight all the time. That's not a season in and season out thing. And we had, you know, we had high hopes for the season. We were, we thought we'd be a nine, 10 win team. And and now mm-hmm. we're hoping maybe to get to six, you know, that's just, that's, that's, that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. You know, I know they want to win hell. So do I. So do mm-hmm. you. So do all those players on the roster. So does every fan. Where's Kelly Green? So does every student that goes to the university, right? They all want to win. We're not. The blame has to fall somewhere. And, you know, le- your leaders are where that falls to because that's just how leadership works. I know they know that. We know that. You know, when, when I do something terrible, when, when I make a decision that is, is a bad decision, which I make many, I take it. I own up to it. You know, it's just, it's just how it works. What do you got for the fans? Got uh, a C. Uh, there's some fans online that are saying stuff that they shouldn't. They're tagging. They're they're tagging players. That's true. And saying stuff that's uncalled for. Unfortunately, they're a fan, so they're going to yeah, bring down the grade. Um, I saw a lot of people stay real late, and I I was there for the last play. And there were still a lot of fans there. Uh, there being after four straight losses, people driving down to Boone, four and a half hours away, spending their money, spending mm-hmm. their time. That says something. You yeah. know, there's a lot of people that can't wait to go this week coming up to the 75 game. That says something. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people think that we get on the fans a lot on here and, it's basically like what I was talking about the app fans coming up and yelling in your face stuff about you and your school and things like that. When all you're doing is they're supporting your school, there's no reason for them to do that. They get the bad rap. What's the same thing for the fans that we talk about here. Most of the people that are watching and listening right now, we're not talking about you. You know, you're consuming content about something that you love. Mm -hmm. People that are negative about the team, this isn't about you either. You know, because you have a right to say, hey, things aren't going well. You have a right to complain. You know, we have never said that you couldn't. What do you say all the time? You're not the fan police. We're not the fan police. But it's the ones that are saying the things that are just. They're bad takes, you know, saying someone someone couldn't coach at a junior high. uh, Someone couldn't be the quarterback at a uh, high school, you know that's just wrong statements. It's said out of frustration, but it's said out of being a dick bag too. You know, don't do that. You know, these are 18 to 22 year old kids that are trying to win for your alma mater and they're playing hurt. And like I said, man, you throw anybody else in there in that position at quarterback, it ain't going to change overnight because it's not all quarterback. If he's getting blown up as soon as the ball touches his hands. Yeah. So Fans that are bringing this down, chill. Fans that are still here, and even though you're upset and frustrated and negative about the losing, so is everybody. But you're bringing the grade up. Keep yeah. doing what you're doing because you're still here and you still care. 
Yep, I got a lot of respect for the people that are continually going to the away games in the midst of a now five-game losing streak. It was a four-game losing streak, and people still went to Boone. They mm-hmm. still went. They they yep. they didn't try to sell their tickets and go, ah, eh, you know what, I was I was down for it, now I'm not. They yep. went. They spent money on gas. They spent money on dinners and a hotel and all that stuff, all that added expense, the time, mm-hmm. you know, and they went to support the herd. That's great, man. It's really mm-hmm. great. And vocally, there's always going to be those people on social media that just they want to watch the world burn. They want to look for every little opportunity to just point out the negative. Okay, whatever. You're going to have those people that all they want to do is point out everything that's good. Okay, whatever. You know, I'm neither one of those people. I try to remain perpetually optimistic, but there are times when you just can't be because it's not working. You know, it just yeah. doesn't, it's not enjoyable to watch. doesn't mean I'm not going to watch. It's just not fun. You know, it's, it's, it's frustrating, but I'm still going to tune in and I'm not mean tweeting during games. I'm just, right. you know, and it, and I get chastised for not being mean enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what? Like, so what? Like I get, I've voiced my frustrations. I've been doing this for years, long before the Thundercast was a thing. And, and I was tweeting from that account. When we would have a bad play, this is the thing that got me the most. So I do this all the time. You have a bad play or something, you end a drive and I just tweet, welp, or I would tweet, well, shit, or well, crap. You know, like, what do you want me to say? I don't care what you want me to say. First of all, I don't care because I'm not going to just start dragging people. That's my way of going, well, that didn't work out, did it? Yeah. Shit. You know? That sucks, but I've been doing that long before, you know, the, the Thundercast was around, but whatever, man, like if, if I'm not negative enough for your taste, don't care, don't care, you know, you're invited to not listen. You can, if you want, but you can also not, I don't care. You know, we talked about it last week. I'm the last person on earth that cares <laughs> what anybody thinks about me. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it, it takes a lot for me to even engage, but Hey, just, just for my buddy there that thinks that I'm unhinged or whatever, go back and reread that. And you take out the F word that you're so offended by that. I said on there, uh, yeah. if you know me, yeah, I say that all the time. Does it, yeah, who cares? Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> I, I cuss weekly on this podcast yeah. weekly. Yeah. Because that's just how I talk. Sorry yeah. that I upset the school marms in the audience, yeah. but uh, you know, every now and then you're going to get a cuss word from me. So, <laughs> so I would oh say well. um, I appreciate the fans that have the luxury that I don't have in going to Jonesy Edwards Stadium every home game. That really, I say that and I mean that because I'm jealous that I can't do that. You know, I, I miss not being able to go to home games every week. It's such. It's such a, a thing that I miss, and folks get to do that. So when you make the conscious choice to go, I I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, you man. Know? There's there's so many fans that uh, you know we interact with on social media that that I saw there at the game and everything, and uh, some even though I don't know your face to your handle and stuff like that, that said, "Hey, I saw you at the game," that sort of thing. Uh, even though they have been negative rightfully so like we're saying yeah. you know we're losing you know but even though they've been negative and wanting better again rightfully so they they made the trip you yeah. know they care i think they the care. only thing i have a problem with um is is like you said people tagging players yeah and just being un- just being hurtful 
it's unnecessary. And uh, then, then some, some of them will you know, try to call, try to make an excuse for it. Well, I'm just a kid. I, I'm, I'm not an adult and I'm just a, whatever. I don't, I don't care like, if you're eight years so old. So what? Yeah. yeah. So what? That's I'm just a kid is not an excuse. You can tell that you're just saying that in hopes that people will be like, ah, well, whatever. It's just a kid. I grew up. Anyway, um, what do you got for the uh, overall grade this week? I got a D uh, because it's a loss. It's the same as last week. You know, uh, we need a win. Need a win. Bad. The the coach, the coaches want to win. The players want to win. The parents of the players want to win. The fans want to win. We all want to win. And, no one's out there intentionally trying to do something. No one's in over their head. It's just, we are not playing good football right now and mm-hmm. we want to win. And overall we didn't win. So my trip was a D I still got to spend. I can't tell you how many lunches, dinners, breakfasts with my wife. We never get to do that. You know, only when we go on an away game trip because we've got three small kids, they've got school, they've got activities. We're constantly doing things all day long with them we got time uh to spend with each other that's great that's always a great trip it's always a great road trip to go somewhere that you haven't been for to watch the herd play that's always great came away with the loss didn't you know ruin my life or anything but that brings the weekend down to a d because ultimately this was a road trip to watch a football game the football game was a loss Giving it a D. Yeah, that's the focal points. Fair enough. Uh, who you got for an offensive MVP this week? Ali, 6.1 yards per carry on uh, what is an obvious uh, limited uh, wheel. And, I mean, without him, it is way worse. Yeah, so. it is. Uh, but offensive MVP for me this week is going to Sean Salas. Nice breakout performance. First catch as a herd player. First touchdown as a herd player. It's just nice to see the youngster getting a little bit of P- PT and capitalizing mm-hmm. on it. Uh, I think he's got a really bright future ahead. And, and just imagine the the duo of Toby Payne and, and Salas together on the field yeah. at the same time and what that might mean um, in the passing game. You know, and in the and in the blocking game, or or the you know these guys are really uh, mismatched type tight ends, and and yeah. not having Toby Payne, we don't know what we're missing because he didn't play. You know, mm-hmm. but based on what we saw and what we thought we might see this year, having those two guys on the field together next year really looks like something that you can get behind and be happy about. Go back and uh, watch or listen to the tight end breakdowns from the last two years, and I was really high on Sean Salas coming out of high school because of that downfield threat. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I said I'm not trying to compare him to these herd greats, but we have a history of mobile, fast, mismatched tight ends. Yeah, you know that that can really stretch that field, and I it's great to see him get out there and get in the mix and get those first two. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It was awesome. So he was the guy for me. Who's your defensive MVP this week? J.J. Roberts, obviously, 15 tackles, but even more so coming back from that injury in uh, or that hit in in two weeks and putting up 15 tackles, that's it for me. Yeah, without a doubt, man. Two weeks ago, we were scared to death that he might not even be back out there. Right. and Not even back out there. Just be okay. Yeah. And and to come out there, and, and it would be one thing if he comes out in this game, plays a little bit, not just two or three tackles, and then just is like, you know what, I need to be limited this week. Hell no. Comes out and busts out 15 tackles. What a, what a performance by J.J. Man, 
What a performance. I'll tell you what, one thing I didn't mention in the defensive grade section there is that I was looking at the overall stat lines. First game I can remember in a long, long time, maybe ever, uh, that Owen Porter did not register a tackle. And if that doesn't mm-hmm. happen, you know something is is amiss, right? Because mm-hmm. that guy's everywhere. So yeah. I just he wanted had a to note deflection. that. Yeah, I just wanted to note that because yeah. I thought that was wild to me. I didn't, and you know, mm-hmm. you always expect to see at least two or three, you know, at yeah. least two or three. But anyway, who's your special teams guy this week? Well, so let me tell you about that. If you go back and do a rewatch, because I can remember him, he, he had a stop at the line of scrimmage uh, where from – the visitor side, it would have been to the far side of the field and everything. I don't think that he got the credit. Maybe, maybe they were giving the tackle to somebody else or whatever. Oh, obviously for sure. But, yeah. I, but he was in on plays. I'm just saying he didn't get anything credited to him. Well, but I, I think cause Luke Creasy had tweeted out that the stats were all wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. during the game uh, that there was, he was like, uh, if you're checking the stats or whatever, just know that these are all wrong. We have had a problem or whatever. So I can't swear that he didn't actually get some tackles and they just weren't registered yeah. uh, accordingly. Yeah. It, it, that seemed off. That's what I'm saying. That yeah. seemed off. Yeah. But anyway, who's your special teams guy? Uh, McConnell only because there wasn't much else to do. Yeah. I mean, we, we had a, a 32 yard field goal. Reese did his job there. Uh, but McConnell, did the most with what he had to do, touching the ball five times, I think it was. So, Yep, he's the guy for me, too. Next up for the herd, it's 75-week, Russ. 75-week. Georgia Southern, another historic Southern Conference rival is coming to town. 11-11 is the game. Uh, 7 p.m. kickoff, another night game on 75-week. You'd love to see it. Uh, the, of course, we'll have four tickets that we're giving away to the game. We're going to get four people inside Jonesy Edwards Stadium. It's we will do that for sure. So we'll have a, a um, preview of that game for you in a couple of days. But right now, here's what here's the last thing I want to close out before we go around the herd. I told you earlier that people are starting to make some comparisons to teams of you know in the last 15 years. Notably, they're tar- they're starting to compare this 2023 herd team to the 2008 team and the 2016 team. And if you've been around long enough to know that, know what happened during those seasons, those are not comparisons that you want your team to be made, right? Um, We know that the Herd's got to win two out of three to get a bowl game. It's looking increasingly harder. Georgia Southern is a tough team. South Alabama is a – I don't. who knows who you're going to get with them week to week, much like the Herd, and Arkansas State is an improved team. Improved. So – this is going to be tough, but let me talk about 2008 and 2016 really quick. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, beat them while they're down here, but I just want to know. I just want you to know what folks are talking about when they when they talk about this. 2008 was a team that started three and one, and finished the season one and seven. That's the type of thing, you know. And most famously, that 2008 season is going to be remembered for the game against Houston, where the guy broke his leg and the carts in the back corner of the end zone. But from a record standpoint. It started off pretty well, three and one, and then ended one and seven. Then in 2016, that wasn't that long ago, seven seasons ago, eight seasons ago. Uh, in the same season, we had a four game losing streak, a three game losing streak, and a two game losing streak, right? And it all culminated with the worst loss in Joan C. Edwards Stadium history at the hands of Western Kentucky when they beat us 60 to six. But oddly enough, in that first week of that season, we beat Morgan State 65 to nothing. So you started the season winning 65 to nothing, and you end the season losing 60 to six. 
there is there is no shortage of of gripe about 2016, but those two those two seasons in particular right now are what a lot of fans are starting to talk about. With fair or unfair, it's entered the conversation for a lot of the herd fan base, right? And that is also scary uh, because I don't think this team is that to that level, right? To, of of underachievement, but. Three weeks from now, if you're staring down the barrel of eight straight losses, it's going to be hard to argue against it. You know what I mean? Um, Marshall's got to win two out of three, period. They have to win two out of three. Uh, Russ, you got any final words before we go around the herd? I think we've said it all, man. All right, let's go around the freaking herd. All right, so we're going to start off with tennis. They picked up six wins uh, this weekend. This was their last fall invitational that they were going to be in. Doubles wins by Jokesovich and Strom and Claret and or Clarot, I'm sorry, and McGrain. Singles wins by Strom, Hurion, Jokesovich, and McGrain. Very good showing to end the fall. And as we had talked, it seems like this is just kind of the tune-up in the offseason mm-hmm. before you go over and get into the actual conference schedule and your your meat of the schedule. So uh, looking for big things from them. Had a great year last year. Looks like they're already hitting their stride this year. Yep. Uh, cross country. They will actually be going to one other thing. We said last week, uh, you know, they had the Sunbelt Conference. So I thought that was the end of it, but they have Mid-Atlantic Regionals this Friday. So I hope to have some good news Saturday to bring to everybody, if not Friday night. Yep. Sw- swimming and diving, man. I've just got to go to the article on this because I saw that, man. I saw yeah. like a laundry list of accomplishments here. So they're zero and one. They did lose in this meet, uh, but they set twenty-two season bests and saw Grace Kelsheimer qualify for the one-meter dive at the NCAA diving zones, and that was their very first Sunbelt Conference uh, meet. So you had tweeted this was the last now uh, sport to get to go in and enter into Sunbelt Conference play. They had 19 top three finishes, including eight first place winners at the 16 event meet. Eight first place winners out of the 16 event meet. I'll yeah. say that again. Yeah. Half of the events we won. And still ended up not winning yeah. the event, the overall event, which is wild as hell to me. But yes, that laundry list of accomplishments is unbelievable. And you know, we kind of alluded to the fact that you know we we had um, a general casual conversation at a tailgate a couple of weeks ago. I think it was a mm-hmm. Virginia T- Virginia Tech game yeah. uh, with uh, Coach Ian Walsh, and he had mentioned some of the things that uh, this team was. Uh, had on the radar as far as of accomplishments that were on the table, and man. Coming out of the gate like this, you can tell he wasn't just blowing smoke. Like there are some big things on the horizon for herd swim and dive, and um, I think it tells me that we might need to pay a little bit closer attention to swim and dive moving forward this season. Yeah. All right. So next is volleyball. They lost three to nothing and three sets to one to James Madison this past weekend. And the slide continues. Hopefully, they can get out of it. Arkansas State at Arkansas State, Friday and Saturday, 7 p.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, respectfully. Mm -hmm. Respectively. 
Women's basketball, the season kicks off for them Thursday night at George Mason, 7 p.m. Then they travel to Chattanooga on Sunday at 2 p.m. If you're looking for if you're looking for something to watch, I am eagerly looking forward to seeing how they do uh, you know, coming off that 127 point yeah. showing. No, uh, I was I was trying to find the uh the uh tickets that we have for women's basketball to see when the home opener is, and it's not till November 20th. Yeah, so, it's wow. it's down there quite a bit. Couple two weeks from today. Yeah, uh, as we as we record on Monday the sixth, by the way. Yeah. Um, men's basketball. They won their second fans' first game, one hundred three to eighty five, and then they open the season tonight, uh, right here in just a just a few minutes at the cam against Queens at seven p.m. On Thursday, they will play inside the Greenbrier for that Radford game, and that's mm-hmm. at 7 p.m. I don't think that that one will be televised because I don't know the logistics of them getting an ESPN Plus setup right. down there. Yeah. But if we hear differently, we'll let everybody know beforehand. Yeah, and of course, we've got a giveaway up right now. You know, so all you got to do is make sure you're following the Thundercast Twitter account and, you know, like the post and you got a shot at win our tickets. I don't know that if you haven't entered by now, by the time this episode gets put up, you probably we will probably have already given away the tickets. I say that to say this. Make sure you're paying attention because we give away tickets to every home game, men's and women's. So really, all you got to do is go to the game, be able to go to the game, follow the Twitter account most of the time and um, like the post. From time to time, Russ will also give a game's worth of tickets away on Facebook because, you know, sometimes I'm tied up and, and uh, you know, aren't able to monitor and, and accurately give away those tickets in a timely fashion. But we give tickets away for every game. and that, Every ticket you know, we've got, event. We've got two upper bowl seats that are on the aisle. So, you know, in Section 203, um, great view. So all you got to do is enter. We make it really easy. But anyway, uh, ready for some herd basketball tonight. Ready, ready. We owe Queens one. They got us last year at their house. Remember, one point loss down to the oh, last second. We had <clears throat> we owe them one. So anyway, um, uh, what else we got? Men's soccer, and that's it for me. Won their first round game of the SBC tournament yesterday against Old Dominion, two mm-hmm. to nothing. I was there. I did have to leave. Didn't get to see the second goal. Had to go pick up my pup from the border from the weekend. But uh, that goal the first goal to put us up in the second half was probably the best pass I've seen in person from Matthew Bell. Um, man, he just, he laid it right in between seemingly four different people, put it right in position and uh, led to the goal. And man, that place was rocking. I don't know if anybody is listening and if they heard this on the um, uh, broadcast and couldn't go to the game, but they took the drums away. Goran was playing the drums as he does at every game. And they took them away because the Sunbelt had said no artificial noisemakers. And that was a warning by the PA announcer that, hey, Sunbelt said no. So they came and took them because they kept playing them, thinking, well, that's not a noisemaker. They're talking about the horns and things like that. So they had to take them. The crowd was not happy. Yeah. And then uh word came down from the sunbelt and finally greenlit it. And they're like, drums? No, drums are fine. You know, they don't want air horns. They don't want things like that. So when they brought them back, 
other than the goals that got the the best ovation of the day was <laughs> giving them the drums back so. yeah i had seen that luke creasy had tweeted that the sunbelt said no artificial noisemakers and then the crowd responded by just stomping their feet on the bleachers as, yeah, as often they, as they, they could yeah they they were much louder than the drums ever thought yeah. about being and i can tell you the sunbelt does not want to take the bleachers away so well uh, that's one of those uh F around and find out scenarios because herd fans are going to make noise. They're going to yeah. make noise. But I tell you what, one thing we haven't talked about through the whole episode with that pass you talked about with Matthew yep. Bell, he set the program's all time single season assist record. Yeah. That was his 11th on the year. Make the number 10 jersey, guys. Yeah. Give the fans the Matthew Bell jersey. Oh, next game. When's the next game? UK on Wednesday? Wednesday, we play Kentucky right here in. We will have tickets to give away, as yep. we have always. And uh, 7 p.m., I can just tell you the top, I think, 14 times or something. Maybe it's 18, 15. I can't remember. But when we have packed that place out, uh, we are undefeated. Mm. So we need to be there. We need to be loud. We obviously have a great home field advantage with our fans and the hellacious team that we field on that uh pitch so get there be there don't care if it's going to be cold don't care if it's going to be whatever get there make some noise make the sun belt say stop making so much noise and uh let's get us another victory absolutely and absolutely 100 not looking ahead past university of kentucky but if you just look at the bracket and seeding holds the higher seed teams keep winning you're looking at a Sunbelt Conference championship matchup between WVU and Marshall at the vet, and we're planting the seed now. When we beat the University of Kentucky, that game against West Virginia, not that it's West Virginia, but that it's the Sunbelt Conference championship at the vet needs to be the new stadium attendance record. We said it earlier this year against UCF. This is a hosted conference championship at home. I don't care who the opponent is. That needs to be the new stadium record for the vet. I know we can do it. We can make it happen. We just got to win one more and then try to set a new record. But, man, that was great. What a great win. Looking for another one on Wednesday. Got anything all else? Got. All right. All well, if you got nothing else, if you got something, let me have it. Otherwise, let's take it out of here. Yeah, whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us at the Joan, or whether you see us over at the Vet, 7 p.m. on Wednesday, bringing home another win in this tournament, no matter where you see us. We're going to be saying, go Herd. Go Herd. It's the Thundercast, guys. It is 75 week, and that's what it's all about. We'll see you at the Joan this weekend. Later.